to Ethics in the Naval Warrior. I'm your host, Michael Sears. My guest today is a retired four-star admiral having served 43 years in the U.S. Navy. And between his father and his brother, they share nine admiral stars. His last job in the Navy was as a combatant commander of the U.S. Southern Command. He's a 1978 graduate of the Naval Academy and has a master's degree in political science from the University of Bordeaux. Welcome, my friend, Admiral Kirk Titt. Mike, it is absolutely an honor and a pleasure to be able to participate in this discussion today. Great to be with you, classmate, uh, shipmate, friend. Mike, uh, thanks very much for having me on board. And Kurt, it's great that you're here, especially over all those years. You have done some pretty amazing things. And today I want to talk about Mission Command and tie in what Mission Command is all about, especially as it ties into ethics. Can you tell us a little bit about Mission Command? Sure. Uh, you know, I think it's a, it's an important topic because it pops up all the time. Uh, you hear it uh, discussed. You hear it. You, know, you read about it in the various uh, leadership blogs. There's a lot of, I think, important aspects to it, but there's also a lot of kind of mythology surrounding it. I think if we simplify it down to its basic uh, constituents, it's really it's a leadership philosophy. It's a leadership philosophy that focuses on decentralized execution. Now, that's important because what it does is it allows leaders at the very lowest levels of our tactical organizations to be able to achieve success, even if they don't have good, solid, continuous communications with their seniors in the chain of command, because they understand what their boss wants. And that's why it's important. Uh, it is tough. It's hard. It requires practice, but it's really a very simple concept. And, and it relates to two important things, doesn't it? It relates to trust and it relates to this thing that I want to talk about right now. And that is the commander's intent as opposed to the direct directive of the commander. Can you talk about the intent part? Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that you, you raise a terrific point uh, in talking that it, it's based on trust. The philosophy of mission command forces commanders to focus on communications, to talk to his subordinates, to explain almost his thinking out loud on a, on a very frequent basis. Uh, it, it means sometimes uh, going overboard and over-communicating so that your subordinates know exactly what you're thinking, that you explain why you are thinking it, so that your, your uh, subordinates are able to get inside uh, the boss's head so if the boss isn't there to tell him what's going on or what needs to be done, that subordinate can say, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I know what the boss wants me to do. I'm pretty sure I understand what effects he's trying to achieve. And so I can go about what I need to do. That only works if there is this very, very solid linkage, a two-way linkage of trust between the commander and the commander's subordinates. And and that trust piece is the is probably, you know, this in, in my mind, the single most important constituent of leadership. I like what you're saying there, especially in this in this environment we find ourselves in today, a very dynamic security environment, an environment that that faces asymmetrical threats. And the commander, so to speak, can't be everywhere. That's where the leadership of the sport and commanders come in, right? Well, that's it exactly. Uh, and in fact, um, it's it almost is predicated on a situation where uh, the commander won't be in continuous communication with the subordinates uh, because either the subordinate is operating way beyond the horizon and is out of communications range or because uh, an adversary has jammed communications or disrupted communications 
or perhaps introduce dis uh, deception into the communication stream. But if that subordinate knows what the boss is thinking, how the boss is thinking, and what the boss wants, there's a much greater likelihood that the subordinate's going to be able to execute the intent of the, the commander much more effectively. So, so intent is a, it's, it's a long sort of a drawn out process. It's a product of, of very frequent communications. It, it ultimately results in a very solid mutual understanding between the subordinate and the subordinate's commander. They understand each other, they get inside each other's brain, and they can kind of function almost without, a, without having to provide specific guidance and direction. So that's the, the key element. Kurt, give me some ideas on how you practice mission command. How do you train for mission command? Is there, is there a way to, to, to learn it and get better at it? You know, it, you would think that there would be a, you know, a, a simple tactical manual that would spell it out. Uh, unfortunately, it, the, everything that I have read tends to focus on what it is uh, and much less so on how to achieve it. And so I think when you have to take it apart, take it down to its, its very basic uh, concept, which is trust. So really what it's all about is how do you create trust? How do you create trust from a senior to a subordinate? How do you create uh, that, that trust um, across both horizontally and vertically? In addition to creating it, you've got to find ways to sustain it uh, over the long haul. And then the probably the single most important thing that you've got to guard against is to ensure that you never do anything that compromises that trust. So, so what are some things that that leaders can do um, in in order to to establish that trust? You know, some of this is just basic nuts and bolts, the walking around, the things that you learn as a as a very junior leader of getting to know who are the people that are working for you, what are their concerns, what are their issues, what motivates them, what are they, uh, and and what demotivates them. And, and how do you have a have just a simple conversation in order to, to, to make sure that that person knows you're not a phony, uh, that, that you're, you're not trying to micromanage what they're doing. You're just trying to help them do their job, provide them with the tools that they need so that they can get on uh, about the task that, uh, that, that you've assigned them to do. Uh, it's just a lot of communications over and over and over again. Uh, and, you know, I think... Uh, all of the, uh, the the business manuals, all of the business schools, all, all emphasize this, uh, this this stuff about about communicating and over communicating. Kurt, really, I, I like what you're talking about in terms of what happens as a junior leader, as you're leading, as you're connecting with your sailors and marines. But let me turn that a little bit and ask you this question: What about the situation where you find yourself as a subordinate leader, where you have trust? issues with your superior officers and they don't really embrace the mission command idea. Yeah. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. That That is the probably the toughest problem that a junior will find themselves in, uh, in which you are working for somebody that, that you're just not on the same wavelength with. And, you know, I wish there was some, you know, magic button that you could push that would uh, allow you to be able to cut through all of that. The reality is none of us are owed perfect leadership. Um, and when, when we are subordinates, we, we get what we get for bosses. And, and then it's up to us to try to figure out, okay, I still have a job to do. I still have to try to earn this boss's trust, his confidence. And I've got to be able to do that. And to do that, I've got to be able to get inside his head. The only way I have found uh, to, to work that is, is, again, to communicate upstream, unemotionally, 
to do it just in a very simple, straightforward, regular basis. I mean, just a, a steady stream of, you know, whether it's daily reports that you might be providing to your uh, department head, it might be weekly reports that you provide as a theater commander up to your secretary of defense and everything in between. But it's it's communicating up. This is these are the, the, the challenges I see. These are the issues that I am working on. And basically kind of give him an opportunity to either say, yep, you're on track uh, or, you know, no, that's really not what I want you to do. And, and you can get some a little bit of course correction. You know, we, we sometimes joke within the Naval Service that, that our, our favorite uh, expression is uh, the, the old, uh, you know, dear, unless otherwise directed, I intend to do the following. Um, you don't want to be quite that coy, but you, you basically want to give your boss the opportunity. You tell him, this is everything that I'm planning to do. And it gives the, the boss an opportunity in a timely manner, uh, discreetly to come back and say, that's not exactly what I want you to do. I want you to do this or this or this. Now, it's entirely possible that boss may not be interested in providing you that, uh, that, that kind of feedback. Uh, and that's where you just keep pressing on, uh, doing the best you can, reading everything that, uh, that, that your boss has ever said or communicated or, uh, or put out there and, and try to understand what that boss might be thinking and get inside their head and then just try to uh, give them what it is that, uh, uh, that they need for them to be able to do their job so they can keep their boss informed of what's going on. Very, very timely stuff. It's not your job to, to try to outthink what he or she is doing. It's just up to you to do your job. Uh, that's it. Um, and to help your boss uh, do their job. I mean, that's the that probably the, the, the single most important thing that you can do is realize they're trying to accomplish a particular mission. They've been given some sort of task. Uh, and so the better you understand what your boss's mission is, try to provide all of the information, uh, all of the resources that your boss needs in order to, to achieve what it is that they're trying to accomplish. You're right. Ultimately, you know, you can't live in their head. There's probably taking this too far where it's going to look like you're, you know, you're sucking up to your boss, but it's, uh, it's much more nuanced than that. And that you just, you just want to help your boss succeed. Outstanding. Kurt, listen, thank you very much for the uh, time spent today. I know this is a short amount of time, but I think it's very, very important information. Thanks for joining us. It's a distinct pleasure again. Great to get back in touch with you. And uh, I, I wish all of the folks who are listening to this podcast, good luck, Godspeed, and, uh, and get after the problems that we have ahead of us. You've been listening to Ethics in the Naval Warrior, produced by the Boeing Leadership Innovation Lab at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. You can find more of our podcasts by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu.